Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome back to the Prog Talks after our little summer break. I'm still Uncle Prog and today I have a couple of Canadian musicians with me. It's Raphael and Nathaniel from Muskox, but also of course known from Nightwatch, uh, working with Lepros, Raphael's solo work. It's good to have you on guys. How are you doing? Good, yeah, doing well. Yeah, they- yeah, thanks for having us. I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah I want to congratulate you on the release of the album, the new Muskox album, uh, Inheritance. It's been out since July 9th, right? Um, I see you've gotten a few, you know, reviews and, and fans are reacting to it. Are you happy with the feedback you've been getting, Nathaniel? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think... You know, I I was we were we were very confident. We we knew that we did a we worked really hard on the album, um, and we, we you know we were happy with it. But you know, people really really loved Woodfall. So, and this is a little bit different. So we weren't really sure. But from the first single to releasing it, um, the reactions have been really really positive from the reviews and from the fans. So it's it's kind of a it's a big relief. You know, I have a, my analogy is like when you're an artist, you can build, you build the house, but you can't live inside it. You know, like the fans go and they live inside it. Like yeah. I can tell you how long it took me to paint this wall or, you know, all the wiring and everything, but really it's the fans that go in and they can tell you what it actually sounds like. So it's been a really a great experience to hear, finally hear some feedback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be it could be worse, right? Uh, I uh, I think uh, definitely we're we're lucky that people are so into it. Uh, I kind of felt like by the time we had finished it, I was no longer really that interested in the music at all. So it's like it kind of gives me the second wave, like oh yeah, okay, you know, it's it's nice to know that uh, that people are digging. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, my perspective is kind of that, like yeah you should just feel fortunate if people care about your music because no one owes you anything and uh you know you make it for yourself in in the beginning but then you also have to be able to communicate those ideas to people and uh you know them receiving it well and having it be something important to them is is extremely meaningful so it's it's really nice yeah, I, I sort of hear that from from a lot of, or, or, or I've heard that from several musicians, the fact that, you know, by the time the album is out, you're sort of, if not tired of the music, you're, at least you've been living with it for so long that it, it seems like something, you know, it's new to everyone else, but it's like all news to you. Uh, is that something you guys, uh, you know, not struggle with, but feel when you're, when the album is finally out, you know, Woodfall was out in 2014, so I don't know how long you guys have been working on this new material i mean we've been working uh kind of sporadically throughout that time we didn't really get started on on this until a few years later but then we spent several years on it i mean if you think about the time that we spent recording so we started tracking in late 2019 and then basically the sort of the latter part of that year we recorded 
And then, you know, we did some sort of editing and some sort of uh, housekeeping in the early part of 2020. And then like four months, sort of like a four month trajectory of uh, mixing and then, you know, mastering in the fall and, and then just sort of uh, getting some stuff prepared in the meantime. But then that's obviously several month period before the actual uh, record came out. And then of course, that's not including all the time uh, that we spent writing the music so it's uh it's kind of a yeah it's a long period of incubation and also just sort of sitting with the music you know and when you finish a record you often feel like okay this music is dead now it's dead to me you know it's like okay <laughs> i'm just going to like you know put put this on the shelf it's like okay yeah. i just want to make the next one now like it's it's relevant for you as long as you're working on it and then when you finally decide you can give yourself permission to stop working on it then it's like it's no longer really yours to engage with it it becomes hopefully you know you put it out in the world and then it has its own life so mm -hmm. yeah and yeah that, and one, that, one thing about oh sorry go ahead oh yeah i just want to say that must be a challenge then when you are finished with something and then there's still quite a wait until you can you sort of wrapped up but there's still quite a wait until the fans can actually engage with it yeah, I, I think uh, what's important is to try to dig into what what it means uh, to you and on a more conceptual level and on a more universal level that people can relate to uh, and to be able to find a way to uh, express that to them. Because uh, otherwise, you're still in your head about all the details. Like you're thinking, oh, yeah, you know, this this thing was like 3 dB too loud or like, you know, we shouldn't have done that type of automation curve on this part. Or, you know, oh, yeah, we really should have used that other take here. Or, you know, I think that like, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is. Right. It's like these it gives you it gives you time details. to doubt yourself. Yeah. Like no, no one no one really cares about that in the end. It's like there's a lot of things that I've made where I just felt like, oh man, like I can't believe we let that, you know, slip by. And then a lot of people like the record. And I'm like, how could you like that? You know what yeah. I mean? But then you have to kind of step back and, uh, uh, and think more about what does it mean to you and to get to understand the music f more from that conceptual level and uh, to be able to talk about it in words. I always find that that's like another stage altogether that reveals itself often only when the album is done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you do you uh, do you find that Nathaniel that it's sometimes hard to uh, you know expect what fans will like or what how they will approach the yeah. music? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for everyone, it's for I think for anyone making music or making art, right? You you know even like a song like Memoriam, which was our first single, you know, for that to be the first Muskox song that people hear after Woodfall, that's one of our, mm -hmm. I think, more straightforward songs. And so I, I thought people would like it, but I I didn't. But then people, a lot of people are like, oh, I, that was my favorite song. And I think, OK, cool. Like, it, you know, again, it's like as an artist, you know, my my review of Inheritance is, oh, it sounds kind of like Woodfall. I think the songs are better composed and the production is better. You know, that, that's a very basic. Right. But then. You have fans saying like, oh, Woodfall sounds like a forest, but Inheritance is like all the trees are bare and there's no leaves. I'm like, oh, like I like hearing those kinds of things because yeah. it, it shows, it, yeah, it gives another perspective. And But one thing about the process, you know, it, it can take a long time, but the process does become new as you're going along, right? So at first you have nothing and then you have rough tracks and you're like, oh, okay, I have a rough track. And then now I have a rough track with the cello and then the violin and then... 
now we have the first mix. So it, it, it's kind of like revealing itself slowly. And I find that those moments are exciting because it's slowly showing itself. And then, oh, then you have the master and then you have the artwork. And so it's kind of like this, it's, it's sort of like a puzzle and it's kind of like revealing. It's like you're trying to put the pieces together, but you don't know what the picture is. And then, mm. if, and then as you're going, the picture starts to reveal itself. And so that I think helps the process of, of actually not getting so bored with it because you are starting to, it's, it hopefully gets a little bit better each time. Um, but yeah, I think anybody making art, you know, at, at the end for, you know, when you listen to it, it's like a Frankenstein, right? You see, it's like, like I was talking about the house analogy. It's like, when you look at a house, like, oh, it's beautiful. But like the carpenter would say like, oh, I had to fill that hole over yeah. there. Or like the wires were all messed up over here, but you don't see that, you know? So it takes a while to like hear it as as music because for so long you're you're looking at it with a magnifying glass and you're trying to find anything that could you know could need yeah. changing and so it takes a while to like put the magnifying glass down and just <laughs> sit back just and zoom yeah. out yeah yeah i think that that different people relate to that in varying degrees like both of us are are pretty hardcore on that stuff and like we're really detail oriented and i think you have to be to make a record like this one uh because it's so dense and there's so much stuff happening and it has to be played in a certain way and it has to feel a certain way. And, um, that, that way that it needs to come across has to represent everything that's going on, um, sort of in very high fidelity, you might say, it's like, you want to be able to capture that picture and get all the details of it to come through. So that, that does take time. I think a lot of other people have very different approach, you know, where they're a lot more hands off about it, but, Definitely the the point at which you're able to listen to an entire mix like of the full record and maybe not just an individual song uh, and you're sort of just dealing with fragments, but you can listen to the whole record and you have like a at least a first mix. That's sort of a feeling of, okay, now we're dealing with an entire record. I really feel that with this this album, it was that way where each song required so much of its own individual attention, kind of like these five children, you know what I mean? They all had their own specific needs. And like, um, once we were able to deal with the bulk of it and listen to the full record, uh, you know, in one sequence, then we could understand it as a record and not just, uh, kind of dealing with all the parts and, Oh yeah, this song is feeling this way right now. Or I'm, you know, I feel like this song is a bit further along. But I think that what's nice is that it seems that in general, the whole feels quite consistent. I don't like with Woodfall, I feel like certain tracks were realized much better than others. And with, with this album, I just feel like all the tracks were equally well realized. And uh, so it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, there's clearly a weak link here. You know, this song, it was a, a misfire or just the sounds weren't as good. or The mix wasn't as good. Um, it feels consistent. Um, I mean, it better be, we spent so much time on it, you know, but I think, uh, you know, yeah, that's, uh, that's the nice thing about it for sure. Well, that's, it's also that's... like almost, it's also a bit shorter too. So it's, it's a, it's a bit shorter. So, you know, it's almost 20 minutes shorter than Woodfall. So that like, if we had another 20 minute song, we, the attention to each song goes down because you're spreading, spreading it out. So with this album, we wanted it to be a bit more so we could kind of condense, condense it and sort of get the get the focus just right on each piece. That does really sort of 
almost like answers one of the questions I had because I I, I wrote down here that you know Woodfall was uh, quite a long album with none of the tracks really being under this uh, one track or something slightly under ten minutes and everything else is like you have two like seventeen minutes tracks on there uh, ending up at much more than one hour in the end and this new album also has a few shorter tracks it and like you said it feels a bit more focused while while woodfall seems seem maybe more exploratory to me uh was that something you had in mind when you started out making the album or did it sort of happen organically through through the process uh, and also uh, did the how did the the writing and recording process for this new album differ from woodfall would you say mm-hmm. It's a few different questions. The first. So, part, do, you, think, do you want to take one yeah. of them? I'll take one of them. I don't remember what the first one is. <laughs> the first one was about the, oh, the about, form and the length. I can yeah. talk about that if you want to talk about the com- the composing. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely, like when we finished Woodfall, I think me and Raf, I think we've pretty much been on the same page. I think we've all been on the same page from the beginning. Like, I think we Woodfall was again it. Woodfall was a 65 minute song pretty much like obviously there were movements, but everything had to flow together. So, which, which was a great challenge, but also I think with this album, yeah, we were definitely, it was definitely intentional that we wanted to, yeah, kind of just, just tighten it up a little bit and and really have it be kind of one, one focused uh, experience. And, uh, and I've talked about this in in some other uh, capacity, but you know, I was really influenced by, I was thinking a lot about the classic prog albums, you know, like Close to the Edge and Relayer, where it's like you get you get kind of it's sort of like a meal. You get like three servings. You get the big epic and then you get, you know, like Close to the Edge. It's like you get Close to the Edge and that's just like a big meal. And then you get, you know, uh, 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 And You and I, which is, you know, that's it it calms things down. And then you have Sabir Katru, which is like the party song. Right. And so the kind of groovy song. And I was thinking a lot about that. And and as we were going, because. I like that format because each song kind of gives you something different. And I think with this album, that was kind of the intention. And, and, you know, it's like the, the beginning song kind of opens up. It's the opening scene of the movie, right? Then you have the big epic and then memoriam is a little bit more subdued, even though that song became, that song was supposed to be kind of like a ballad, but it ended up being a lot more intense, which was interesting. Mm. But actually, yeah, I was going to say it could have been a lot more intense because we rewrote (laughs) the outro. It was going to be a longer song, with yeah. this it, it really proggy outro that was like a, like a real kind of uh, departure <laughs> from the rest. And then we ended up uh, kind of having a soft landing at the end. That, that song yeah. actually ended up being more condensed. Uh, mm-hmm. But then Weightless ended up being longer. Hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it was that definitely was be but a yeah, to answer, track. Yeah, to answer your question, yeah, because that was the idea. It was like Inheritance Part 2 would be like the close to the edge and then Memoriam would be like, the ballad yeah. and then ritual is kind of it's a lot more rhythmic and kind of groovy i call it and then yeah. like the premonition and waitlist were supposed to be kind of just like an intro and an outro but then those songs became a lot more uh realized and actually it's funny because waitlist i had given raf like oh okay here's like a cool riff and then i thought like we'll just do some melodies and that's it and then raf wrote the whole epic middle part and then we it was kind of like it we didn't spend that much time on it. It was sort of like, oh, here's the middle part that's really heavy. And then we'll have the outro. It's like, okay. And then as we were working on the album, we were like, wow, this is maybe like our favorite song because it came together so naturally where other songs were sort of like, it was just it's such a grind to try to get it right. And that song just 
kind of the vibe was already there. So you're, you're always going to be surprised. I think it's the difference between like uh, writing a song like it's a Sudoku where you have like a bunch of numbers in there and you have to make sure all the numbers add up uh, yeah. <laughs> com- compared with like having just one thing and then just sort of building around uh, the first idea and letting it uh, develop in its own way, mm-hmm. which with those bookend pieces was essentially how they, they came about. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of composing, I guess, it was, okay. I just want to make sure I, I answer the question properly, but in terms of the <laughs> process, uh, it was like the same process for writing the same style for writing as Woodfall, but um where, you know, it's like you had written the guitar parts and like the the bulk of them, most of them mm-hmm. at least. And then the songs were sort of like structured. Um, and then I basically got the guitar MIDI and then wrote the cello and violin on piano to go with it and then and then had like a score. And then, but I think one of the things that was different this time is that we questioned a little bit more sort of the integrity of each song and, okay, mm-hmm. is it- exactly what we want to have or are we willing to depart from it a little bit like we allowed ourselves more time to uh refine and and edit what we had done so obviously we already had the idea of the form in place that you know we would have a more of a mix of longer and shorter songs but also uh we reworked some things in the arrangements as a trio uh where you know we thought okay maybe this would sound better if we did that or let's just change these notes here uh pretty small things for the most part um and yeah uh, the the track premonition was written all together in the same room which is different from what we had done on previous records so it was very organic we had to do like a grant application uh you know to get funding for the record so we had like an afternoon and we had a couple of initial ideas and then just sort of jammed it out and then recorded it the same day, actually. Um, and that became the, the initial sketch. There were a few changes uh, going into the recorded version and then more changes sort of in post-production, like in mixing, where we we tweaked it even a little bit more. Um, I think that it's always tricky with those intro tracks to get them uh, to flow properly, like to get the beginning of an album to feel right, especially when it's so gradual and it sort of introduces everyone slowly and uh, sets the tone for the rest. And it had to feel like uh, something that would be engaging, but also a bit mysterious. Like, you know, you're not being told what's happening. It's sort of like a movie where you have this sort of this kind of scene that you're not, because of the way it's filmed, the angle at which it's shot, you don't see the entire picture or you don't know all the things that happened before. And maybe the entire movie is leading up to this scene. And then the rest of the movie is, you know, following that, it's kind of got that feeling to it where it's sort of, uh, you know, coming coming in the middle of, of some something like you're just witnessing these events and, uh, you know, that you don't know the entire backstory yet. And then you get filled in along the way. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's more or less how it went. And I mean, there there are things that I do sometimes where I'll like. I'll change the guitar a little bit if I think that it would benefit the entire group dynamic because it's difficult to like write, you know, an entire sort of song structure on one instrument and then expect that the entire thing will flow together. Mm. And you have to kind of like go back and and tweak. Um, And there was a fair bit of that. I think that happened this time that we didn't do last time. And I think that it made it a better record because uh, 
we were a little bit more critical, not int- intensely critical, but we were just mm-hmm. uh, kind of improving more details. And we had the experience of knowing what was difficult to pull off, of course, last time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there was also, um, we also kind of jammed on some things and then changed arrangements from that, which was neat. Like, I think in part two, like, there's certain things where, I think even like the all of us chugging at the same time. I feel like we oh, just yeah. came up with that together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Or like just certain things we were like, or when we like all we left out the downbeat, just things that you you'll never like. That's one thing that I love about like playing music with other people is that it doesn't matter how long you spend by yourself composing. Like when you're when you bring other people into the mix and you're with your instruments, you'll hear something like, oh, that would sound really cool. Like, oh yeah, let's try that. Let's do this together instead of. You know, we're like, oh, I'm going to cut out. And so I think that, yeah, this was a really good, this album was a really good learning experience. And I think it has us really excited for the next album because we learned so much doing this that it's like, oh yeah, okay. We need to like write more music together and like really take our time with it. Because I think like Raph was talking about the first song, you know, originally it was like guitar riff a few times, then like everything was very like square. It was like this riff, then this riff, then this riff. And like Mm. once, and we thought that that song would be the easiest to record. We're like, oh, it's simple compared to the other things. And then once we recorded, we were mixing it. We were like, this sounds off. And then it was like, okay, well let's take Raph's ambient strings that are supposed to be in the background. Let's put those, copy those a bunch of times, put them at the beginning and then like bring Evan in. And then I like cut out a bunch of my guitar and then it took a while to get that right. But that's a thing that probably had we worked on it a little bit more or even maybe, you know, I think some of the songs we had played live, I think we did. I don't know if we, no, I don't think we did any before we recorded. I think because we, we had done we, part we did, two. We one, did actually we? We played all of them except Weightless, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, oh, right, right, right. But, I, at the 10 year anniversary show. Yeah, we did two we songs at that show. So we actually played all of them except Weightless. And then we still haven't played Weightless in a live setting. <laughs> only for the music. Yeah, but we've never played Premonition live, I don't think. Uh, have we? Oh, maybe we haven't. Except on the recording, yeah. We just we made a demo yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, actually, so, we never we never played that one uh, in a yeah. live setting. But certain things like that were very much just sort of the pattern on the last record. We we challenged that a little bit. Like yeah, obviously starting the, the first song with you know no guitar, whereas like all the songs in Woodfall started with guitar first. You know, mm-hmm. or um. Was you know, for example, like I was using an alternate tuning on waitlist. That's like a different thing, and um, I think just generally trying to challenge the idea of like everything playing all at once, or mm. um, having everyone playing a lot of parts all at once, uh, and thinking about tempo too. Like, uh, should the tempo be actually this fast or is it going to breathe better and groove better if we play it at a slower speed, you know, and how do we make it maybe sound faster without being faster? That's something like with acoustic instruments, it's really important. You can only play so fast before it kind of turns into mush mm-hmm. and where you don't really feel any topography in the music where it's kind of like um, it, it becomes quite flat. Um, I think that, that goes for any type of music, but particularly with this combination, like being able to play play into the dynamics more and to emphasize parts of the groove and uh you know to play with feel uh all those types of things to kind of create a sense of depth in the music is super important especially playing for these long stretches with a fixed instrumentation um and i think that's that's one of the big takeaways from this record that we wanted to try to apply more is okay how can we have more breath in the music and how can we 
maybe instead of trying to come up with one complicated idea and then add two other complicated ideas or something like that to it, like maybe have one cool idea and then share it between the three instruments so that they become like one instrument. I think we started doing that a little bit here, but I think that's something we have a lot of room to explore in the future. And that that's something I'm kind of stoked about. If you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. theprogspace.com Yeah, so, but, but I want to go a, a bit back then because Muskox have been around for quite a few years. You know, the debut album uh, was released in 2007, if I'm not wrong. And that was just you, Nathaniel. And then in 2014, of course, Woodfall that we have discussed quite a bit now. You guys have told, told me about that's when Evan, which is the violinist and you, Raphael, came in. Can you tell me a little bit about the, you know, the start of the project? Uh, and how how uh, how muskox came to be sure um yeah basically i moved i moved to ottawa in 2005 um and i had just decided to leave university to i don't know i i to just play music um i wanted to take music more seriously um and so i decided to move here and start taking guitar lessons so i had met a professor at the university that I had been at and we started doing classical guitar lessons and so yeah in like 2006 i just started recording uh, around 2005 2006 i started recording some acoustic ideas and i couldn't play guitar that well so i would record a simple idea and just add a lot of things to it and uh mm. yeah and then after a few years uh, after a year or two, I had, well, I guess in 2006, I did that first demo, which at that point I didn't know it was muskox yet. It was just an acoustic demo. And then I did another one in the winter of 2007 and then another one, 2008. And, um, yeah. And so I, basically after those first two demos, I, I decided I wanted to go to properly record them at a real studio instead of just in my bedroom. And so, I ended up meeting Dean Watson, who he's engineered and worked on all the Muskox albums. So I met him one night and he said, oh, I have a studio and it was really close to my house. So I went there in 2007 and I started, I was like, okay, I told him like, I'm a heavy metal fan, but I'm doing an acoustic album with nature sounds. <laughs> and he said, I don't, okay. And then we were talking about metal and he said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working with this kid, Raph, who's doing, who's doing metal stuff. And he likes some of the similar bands. And so this was 2007. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, and then I, I, so I recorded the album that summer and then I released it, I guess it was more of an unofficial release in like fall 2007, where I just, I just printed some CDRs and just mailed them to some, mm. mailed them to some review sites. And so, um, yeah, so that was kind of the, the beginning of it. it was, I took those demos and I sort of properly recorded them. And, and it was when I was in the studio that I, I thought, okay, I like this name muskox. Like uh, it was a name that I, I don't know. I had a picture of a muskox from the, that's on the original album that a friend of mine drew yeah. and I brought it to the studio for inspiration. And then I thought, oh yeah, like I like this because it's, it represents the natural world. It's also ancient and it's also uh Canadian. I mean, they're not exclusively Canadian, but it represents kind of, yeah, yeah. it's natural, it's ancient and it's Canadian, which uh, I thought all those elements were really cool. And so yeah, so it wasn't. So then it was in 2009 that I actually contacted Raf um, because I had done some Muskox shows with different musicians, and then eventually they they decided to go do other things. And so I reached out to Raf, and he came over, and I had these songs, and 
we just connected immediately and, and, you know, Raph was super young then. He was like a teenager. I think he was just out of high school yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and I think high school, you know, people, Raph was a bit of the black sheep because Raph was like doing death metal drums and cello and guitar. Like Raph is so creative. I think people who were there were trying to, who were like, oh, we're going to play music because it's cool. Raph was like, I'm going to play music because I have to. And like people didn't understand yeah, him, you know, it. like it's like death metal because it's like death metal guy, but like drums, but cello and piano and everything, you know, and classical guitar and flamenco guitar. And so when I met him, it was like, we we're like, oh yeah, Opeth. We just talked about all the bands that we liked. And then it just yeah. immediately clicked. And I think we played a show like a few, a week later or something like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so then, so Raph, like, even though Raph didn't appear on a recording until 2014, like he actually joined like very, very early on. And so from 2009, we started doing shows and then we started and then I I had like one piece left over from the older lineup that I really liked. And then we started like and I had these ideas and then we started like building on Woodfall for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And then Evan joined like as we were recording that. But yeah, I basically just started in the in my bedroom just doing some acoustic demos all inspired by, you know, the early Ulver albums, um, you know, Imperium, Tenhe, all of yeah. that scene, which I thought was neo-folk, but actually isn't really neo-folk it's kind of another thing but all of that and nest from finland like all these acoustic projects yes you know and like the acoustic part of opeth like that that was the original inspiration i thought i really love all the acoustic interludes on metal albums but i want to do a full album of that music you know like in flames would do it or like dark tranquility and opeth so that's kind of where it came from and then obviously agalock were a big influence so yeah it was kind of like that heavy metal style acoustic playing and then when raf joined you know then we started getting really into like a lot of the instrumental prog metal that was coming out in the 2010s like scale the summit and animals as leaders and so it was kind of like prog metal meets like classical meets nature folk kind of thing you know yeah we were kind of in this well for me what was interesting is that um before yeah joining muskox i'd never heard about neofolk before i was a big metal fan you know mm-hmm. big prog fan but I didn't really know what neofolk was and then we were just like playing and then we listened to stuff like we would listen to like i think like valley and like a bunch of bands mm-hmm. and stuff like that and i was like i never heard that music before so then i realized okay there's this whole scene here so i was discovering that and then at the same time yeah getting into a lot of these these new instrumental prog bands so it was an interesting period and when we were working on woodfall i think we were both in this kind of like phase where we were interested in complexity <laughs> which i i don't resonate with as much now but yeah. then i was just like uh not only because of those bands but also because then that that whole year i guess it was the year before we really started like r- working on on getting that whole record written i was you know in my first year of university and i was like just grinding on cello just working on my chops so for me it was like anything i could play that was challenging was exciting you know it was like yeah i want to play something that's not ever anybody could play and you know i mm. wanted that to be part of the music and when we did the first few songs it, it it was like more spacious and i had to think more about like how to improvise and how to kind of shape and stuff and then i was like hungry to play something really difficult and that's exactly what we had with Woodfall. <laughs> it was like really difficult music uh non-stop um but uh but yeah, so like that first that first track that sort of came from the old lineup that had been worked on ended up being uh, Earthrise, which is the first track on Woodfall. And that song we played like all throughout 2009, 2010. 
uh, and we played it a lot and it underwent many iterations. Uh, I remember, yeah, the parts changed up so many times and then we kind of finally arrived at the version that's on the, on the record. And we had a violinist playing with us for a year and then she moved to India and then Evan was already playing in the night watch. So, and then you guys had the butternuts before that you had another band even before that. So it was very obvious like, Oh, Evan will play violin in the band. Um, and that was like, I guess late 2010, probably. I think we had our first jam with him. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it was as early as that, but then we didn't end up doing shows, all three of us together until a little later. Um, but that's kind of, yeah, I guess what you might call the earlier days. Mm -hmm. We were, we were very active live then though. I remember like the first couple of years we played a lot of shows um, we do like house shows and stuff. Like we played a lot, of, a lot of small. Where it was just yeah. it was just me and Raf for for a while as well. And, and we had an earlier mm. violinist, like Raf mentioned. But we also did a lot. Of, like we used to play songs from Woodfall when we were writing it. Just the two of us. Yeah, play them at like breakneck speeds. <laughs> yeah, well, they were so fast back then. We played them way too fast. Um, and but it was kind of good to to work on them in a live setting and get a sense of how they felt and to I mean really because we we didn't have that sense of like workshopping and and doing pre-production then the way like most bands would just do that now and the way we think about doing it now uh we just said oh we have this show offer let's go play oh yeah why don't we try this new piece and uh and just just work on it you know that way and that kind of got us in shape i guess and uh, warmed us up for the recording <laughs> yeah the whole thing has always I, been muskox has always been a weird project because i never like when even when I started, it just it was like, oh, I'm I'm playing guitar and I'm recording these things. And I used to mic put the microphone outside my window and record crickets. And I just ended up with these. I, I never thought like I want to make this kind of music. It just that's kind of what happened. Like when I would play classical guitar, I would just picture nature. And then yeah, and it wasn't like okay, I'm going to start a project like this. It was like oh, I made this demo. Okay, now I'm going to make this album. And then it's always unfolded. And then oh, now there's ref. Now now it's it went from like very minimal peaceful pieces to like 20 you know like a 60 minute song with like all these weird time signatures and yeah it's it's always kind of unfolded and i think that that's been kind of interesting with this project because i think we have that freedom you know to just let it sort of evolve in its own way i think that's what naturally happens but oh sorry i i was just gonna add no no i was gonna add to that that uh, you know we're all we're all old enough that we remember what it was like before you had to be big. You had to, you know, you had to make a statement right away. You had to present yourself professionally and look good all the time and like, look like you're killing it. And like, we started this before that was really a thing. And, you know, in, I think in the, in the zeros, there was like just more space and more time. Like uh, bands didn't necessarily have to have all that dialed in in the same way. It was more just about working on music, I think, like just just music. And, you know, we didn't really have like social media wasn't really a thing yet in the same way. Like, obviously, we connected through MySpace, you know, I mean, I didn't even have Facebook then. Uh, and yeah. And then I remember when MySpace kind of went under and Facebook became the main platform. I just thought, oh, where's the where's the music? Like, how do I just where's the music player? Why do I have to navigate off yeah. Facebook? It's like, oh, there's no... Where can I listen? There's no yeah. music here. Like, you know, I want to just listen to this band, but I can't. I have to, like, find them somewhere else, I guess. And uh, that, you know, so there's been a big shift, but I think that we've had that freedom in a way because we're 
old enough to have come from a period where uh, things were yeah. less saturated and there was less pressure on bands to like get it together. Come on, you gotta, you know, you gotta look the, yeah. the part and you gotta, you know, be producing content all the time and you have to like um, make albums properly all the time and you have to know what you're doing and, you know, send a certain message. Like there's a lot of pressure. So it's harder to just like uh, kind of get into a zone where you're really able to reflect on the music and kind of give it a lot of, you know, give it a lot of thought and, and let it sort of mature at its own pace. It's much harder now, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And also the focus, all of those things you're talking about, the focus is on the image, the visuals, the things that are really existing outside of the art and the music itself. So, so for, you know, artists, creatives, just like you yourself, uh, I'm I'm sure you know taking promo images wasn't what made you become musicians. <laughs> well, so in that way, I can understand that that is not something that you wanna. That most of the t you don't want to spend most of your time, you know, doing social media stuff, right? I mean, when you when you end up in that place, it's like, wait, that's this isn't what I signed up for. It's like if yeah, if, if you get to this point where it's like you're spending more time on that, then you're like, I think I'm wasting my own potential you know, like what I'm supposed to be spending my life doing. If you spend too much yeah. time there, like at the same time, it's very important now. And I think there's, it's like, there's so many ways of making it creative too, but there is this kind of tipping point where it's like, well, yeah, but if I'm not spending as much time making and working on the craft, then it's like, it feels like a bit of a waste of life. Like what am I doing with my life all of a sudden, you know, when it gets to that stage, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because um, even like yeah, because yeah, even when I did the first Muskox EP, that was in summer 2006, and like it was my first summer in a new city, and I was working at a kitchen, and then one day they were like, "Oh, like it's not busy, so you're we're letting you go for the summer," and I had saved a bit yeah. of money, so I just was like, "Okay, well, I'm just gonna not work for the summer." And again, back then you'd go on the internet for a little bit, you chat with somebody on messenger, M MSN messenger, like ICQ or something. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go like for a walk and like, you know, play guitar by the river, but I didn't have a phone. So I would, I bring my discman and like, it was just a different mentality. I think you were more like people were more like this than like this. And it's oh, not yeah. to say that yeah. it, it's easy to, it's easy to romanticize it, but you know, it's also important to remember that like, yeah, back then I wouldn't go on the, wake up in the morning, go on the internet and see an artist who has way more fans than me and then feel like, oh, why am I even doing this? Like, I'll never be that popular. And then like, feel bad about myself. It was just like, oh, okay, like I'm going to go play guitar under a tree for the, for the afternoon and like read a yeah. book, listen to a CD. And like that, like I wasn't concerned with other people so much, you know, I think it's easier to get it takes more effort nowadays to get to that place. That place still exists, but you have to like be very, you know, very mindful in how yeah, you engage. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like even just one thing, it's like a trap door. You're like, I'm going to go here. And then you're like, <laughs> like yeah. you fall and then you're in some <laughs> like, even like I've been thinking about like, I'm like, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to check the weather. And it's just like, oh, there's been like 50 tornadoes and like a hundred, like people are dying everywhere. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, so I guess I'm going to go enjoy the sunshine spiral. now. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like TMI, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, hard, you know? Yeah. 
Especially with, yeah, so, but, but the thing is like what I find is every time when, when you're able to kind of like close the door and just sit with your instrument for an extended amount of time, like then you can kind of like, you know, but it's, and I think it was easier to do that back then. And also there was more mystery, like even with the acoustic music that I was listening to, like Ten He and these bands, I was like, I didn't know, you know, it's like I'd get a CD, but there was more mystery. I didn't know who these people were like, so it was kind of like this mysterious discovery, you know? Yeah, there's a certain magic well, in that. I think not yeah. knowing everything I, about I, them. Yeah, I I agree with you. There's there's I think it's but I think it's important what you said, Nathan, about you know not you know you can state that that's the way it was, uh, and then you know it's easy to romanticize it. But at the same time, you know we have to think we have to be mindful of the musicians that are like coming up today. They are working within this realm and they're still producing amazing music. So, you know, there are, I think there are opportunities anywhere, even if maybe sometimes we who are older and even older like me, you know, (laughs) really, you know, miss those days where, you know, you listen to an album until it was sort of dead in the CD player or on the record player. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, and uh, yeah. And I mean, even being like, like doing a zoom interview with somebody across the world, like, you know, or even like, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, there's so many new opportunities, you know, to, to, to share your music now. So yeah, it's just being able to find the balance of like using the technology in a healthy way, but also taking time for yourself to like, you know, even like finishing an album, it's like, you're like, Oh, I did this thing, but then yeah, it's so easy to compare yourself with other people and sort of like get distracted from the moment of like, wow, okay, like this is done. And we did this. And like, I need to take a moment to even just celebrate this and like, you know, and so again, but it's, it's the discipline and and it's also just being able to know yourself and, and what things for you are, you know, make you feel bad or when, you know, when to go on, you know, it's just, it's just that balance when to go for a walk, <laughs> when to actually engage online. And yeah, it is, it is, it is different, you know, being able to talk with some of my favorite musicians, you know, through a, through a zoom interview like this, than you know, when I started out sending out you know an interview by mail for my fanzine <laughs> hoping that i would have it back in three months for, in time to <laughs> print the thing or something that's that's quite different but i want to touch on something you said earlier about you know your love of this you know acoustic or this music you're playing coming from you know some of those metal bands that and and i'm the same way you know i I, I'm a like an old death metal and black metal guy and I love those like acoustic interludes or little piano parts or whatever bands often would have. So when I discovered Muscox, I was like, wow, this is like that, just a whole album of it. And you talked about neo-folk and how your music is not quite neo-folk. You, you describe yourself as a chamber folk trio, isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah. I, I was actually doing an interview a couple of days ago about the new record and uh what we did touch on at one point is yeah this what we call ourselves and i think we've been very much associated with uh folk you know in some respect and i think that i don't think we really are folk at all actually but we are just kind of tied to it uh in terms of the scene that we're part of somehow and the associations we have and i think maybe that's the main reason we've kept it is because it kind of makes us more part of a community because one of the things that I mentioned was that uh, someone who plays classical music full-time, which is not me, uh, would look at our music and say, that's not classical music. 
you know, and one yeah. of the big reasons is it has like repeating structures in it. It has riffs in it. It has, uh, the language is totally different. Well, not totally, but quite different. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of no, notably different. Yeah. A lot of classical muses, musicians, uh, really look down upon, uh, minimalism, uh, or mm -hmm. the idea of repetition, um, and the idea of things being too obviously rhythmic, I think with a lot of like, it, uh, sometimes people would, would call those pop rhythms, what we're playing, even though I think that oh, they're see, like, yeah. you know, way more complicated than pop in a lot of cases, uh, or, of course, yeah. you know, but, uh, but that's kind of how it might be regarded. So we're kind of neither one nor the other, uh, but, but definitely we're chamber music. I mean, it's the definition of chamber music, what we do. So exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to add to that, you know, the, this, I think when it comes to genres of music, I think there's, there's different levels, different ways of looking at it. You know, I think, I think the most basic way of looking at it is, oh, well, it sounds like this. So it's this. But I look at genres and styles more from like a an essence or like a spirit, right? So for me, you know, especially when you talk about something like Prague, to me, Prague isn't, oh, complicated time signatures and, and long songs, you know, like Prague is a spirit, right? Like every genre of music starts as a spirit of, of expression, you know? So even like, you, I think Roy, Roy Stolt from the Flower Kings, who's one of my favorite guitarists, you know, he said... You know, there was no prog in the 70s. We, it was just good music. Nope. Like we were just trying to make good music, yeah. right? And for me, the essence of that scene in the 70s was doing something that hasn't been done yet, right? They were like, mm -hmm. oh, like we haven't heard a 20-minute song. Okay, in like rock music, let's do that. Or like, let's do a, a keyboard solo. Like these were all new things, right? And then eventually, like any scene... Once it happens for a while, then it, and it gets a name, then it gets the kind of box around it, you know. And it does. so for it me, does, like yeah. it's it's the spirit, right? So to me, and I think the chord progressions as well that we play are rooted in folk music. Like they're they're kind of more standard kind of folk progressions, but we're playing them in complicated ways with heavy classical type instrumentation, you know. But so I think for us, it's 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 about channeling the spirit of of those genres, right? The spirit of Prague or the spirit of black metal or, 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 you know, folk music. Like it, it's a feeling that more than like, yeah. Cause people hear it. They're like, Oh, I don't, this is, I hear, I hear cello and a violin. So it's classical music, but then Raph will say, well, classical musicians will say this isn't classical or, or then yeah. someone will say this isn't folk or like, you know, and, and to me, I actually, that makes me very happy. And yeah. I, it makes me very happy that we're creating music in a scene that doesn't really have a name yet, you know, like I think when I started, I thought it was neo-folk, but I remember getting this compilation called Looking for Europe and it was all about neo-folk and all the bands that I liked yeah. on that album in the booklet, it was like a book like this thick in the booklet. It just said, oh yeah, this band actually isn't neo-folk, you know, like Noin Velton, this band isn't neo-folk or in Gowan Ring yeah. or yeah. Tenhe. Yeah. And I was like, well, these are all the bands that I like. So what are they, you know? And so to me, it's exciting because, and one of the things I think sometimes I'm like, I hope that this style of music doesn't get a catchy name like Gent or, you know, like, because once it does, then it's going to be like, oh, you're this. And then people can f copy that. It's like yeah, cello, a classic core or something like. 
Well, don't don't worry. It will happen oh, because yeah. that's sort of what what happens with any genre, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That it 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 gets sort of solidified after a while, and then you know you have the bands that are more wanting to emulate than you know than than to to create something new. But that's okay too because some really really good albums have come out of bands that are really wanting to sound like another band, and suddenly they do an even better job of it. It, exactly. it happens. So. Yeah. So I don't think that's a problem, but but uh, you mentioned that you know neo folk, and you mentioned your own, you know the chamber folk label, and but at the same time, of course, there's a lot of progressive elements in your music, and you guys have been, you know, very warmly received. I feel in the progressive uh, rock and metal scene. So how do you sort of view the the progressive elements of uh, of Muskox? I think we use that language in the music with instrumentation is, uh, you know, classical acoustic instruments, basically. So I think that, yeah, the vocabulary, the, the types of ideas, the phrases, the rhythmic content, all that stuff uh, is very closely linked to, uh, I would say, progressive metal. Um, I think that that's kind of, it's very, very similar in a lot of ways. So, uh, you could easily translate that to electric instruments. We'd even talked about yeah. it at one point with Woodfall that some of this stuff, you know, it could just be played with, uh, you know, electric band as opposed to an acoustic yeah, one. Yeah, I see. And we'll, cover with, it. we'll cover it ourselves. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, forget that I said that. We have to keep it a secret now. Um, but <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd some, rather uh, somebody yeah. else do it, like take the, make up, <laughs> make that effort to transcribe it and learn it. Well, I was going to say having to make that record again, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But then with, uh, for example, the track Hindsight, you know, that that piece goes into a really heavy territory with still only acoustic instruments and we're not adding any distortion. It's just the way we're playing and the way the arrangements are set up uh, that gives it this uh, density um, and, you know, the rhythmic uh, designs that are happening uh, kind of put it in, in that mode, I guess. So, so really, yeah, I think that it's just, it's the language we're using, you know, when I was younger, I remember I didn't really care about, it was kind of funny. I was like not mature enough to really understand the importance of timbre, but I was really just completely focused on vocabulary and notes and like the types of notes and rhythms that were being used. If I could get that just right, then it didn't matter. Like the rest of it didn't matter. I, I was just getting my idea across. And now more and more I'm focused on timbre and, and uh, frequency and like the sound quality um, and the way something is played, uh, as opposed to just the material, what's, you know, what's in the ink, so to speak on the page. Uh, but I think kind of striking this balance where you can negotiate the two, um, is, is really useful, but certainly like if you, if you disregarded the timbre of our music, then it's, uh, it's metal, I think. Yeah, and I th- yeah, I think for 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 someone like me who's not a musician, you know, there's definitely a heaviness and uh, what well, I don't know, like there's at times there's like a 
cacophony of, of you know the sound is like increasing to a cacophony that i only find really in you know some classic music maybe but but in metal in general so so there is definitely like a noticeable heritage there even for someone who's not a musician like me and yeah 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 if i want to add to that too because you know we we're talking raf was talking about prog in the in the arrangements you know and in how the music's written and like to kind of double back to what i was saying earlier about the spirit like when i did the first muskox record you know, the, the first EPs are very similar to, you know, the early Oliver or like the Imperium albums where, or the acoustic exactly. Imperium albums where, you know, but what I realized listening to those albums was that I thought, I love these albums, but the songs are too short, you know? And so at yeah. the time I got, I was getting, at the time this was, yeah, mid 2000s, I was getting really into post-rock. And I think that was kind of a golden era for post-rock music. I was getting into Mogwai and Godspeed You Black Emperor and Sigaros. And I thought, you know, it'd be really neat if like, there was like a post-rock album, but that sounded like Imperium. You know, that was sort of like my, and to me, yeah. that's prog because I hadn't heard that yet. Like to me, I think not just with Muskox, but with Raf's projects and with the Nightwatch, like I like the records that we make because there aren't like, it, I don't want to sound arrogant because it's not, it's not an arrogant thing. It's a music, it's the musician in me. I'm excited to create something that I haven't heard yet, you know? And sometimes yeah. that means you have to try something and you might not, succeed but you know to me i thought okay like this muskox record I, I haven't heard a record like this yet so i'm gonna make that and see it's an experiment you know and that experimentation to me is the essence of prog right it's like with raf's album the visit it's like i've never heard a record like that you know and i'm sure when raf was making it too it's like okay you're doing progressive metal inspired by middle eastern music cello riffs with a vocalist it's like that to me is exciting and even and then with woodfall it was like we took it even further it's like instead of just oh i want to hear imperium riffs you know that are a bit longer now it's like i want to do imperium meets green carnation light of day day of darkness exactly. you know like what is that going to be like you know and 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 then with this one it was like yeah mixing in other kind of elements as well and so yeah to me that's that is prog it's it's like here I, i'm always trying to find this gaps in my record collection and see if i can fill them you know i agree with you and and for me that is you know listening to kvällsanger by ulver you know i i was like thinking you know i love this album but i wish there was more exactly and with that album there's kind of you know it stops here this was like an experiment of their three albums mm -hmm. you know and this is this is it with this so when i discovered muskox i was like okay this is <laughs> sort of based in the same stuff but it is more something that i i, I wanted so so for me that was very interesting you know we are moving to towards the end of the, the interview but i want to ask you guys what does the future hold now for for muskox uh, are you planning now to now that the pandemic hopefully is slowly winding down are you hoping to bring your music out on the road and play live are you currently writing new stuff what what's in the cards here well, we uh, we haven't convened all together very much since the record came out. We just uh, had to sign everything together. That was the main thing. We had to, <laughs> to sign a lot of records. But we've been talking about, yeah, performing live more. It's something that I think really with this album, like we've kind of set ourselves up well to do that. Finally, I feel like in the past, we weren't necessarily all on the same page in the same respect with what we were doing and what we had released and everything. But now I feel like the way we've created this record and the way it sounds is the best representation of us as a band and the sound that we have and the just 
what we've put out in terms of like videos and, and visual uh, material feels like the yeah. best representation of us. Finally, I feel like all those pieces are in place. And so it makes sense then to make some plans to, to do some shows, but we haven't, we haven't really, you know, actually done that practically, but we have the desire to do it. Um, and we've had discussions about what it would be like touring, which we've never done. We've traveled a little bit, but we've never done actual tours. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we have individual experience of touring, uh, which yeah. informs the decisions we would make and how we would approach it. Um, and I think, uh, Definitely, you know, we were hoping to to write another record a lot faster and turn it around a lot faster. We're not, <laughs> so. not going to have to wait another seven years for a new album, I hope. No, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, hopefully not. I, I think, I think you know, we also have done a lot of different different projects in, in between those albums. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think also just working on music that's very old it's hard to sometimes reconnect with that spirit so it'd be really nice to yeah to kind of work on it and and kind of have a a more clear window of like work as we're creating the record instead of like something over here and something over there and something over here and then we try to weave it all together so yeah so i think that's the plan you know just to get together and also i'm excited to learn these songs or to relearn these songs to play them live because i know that of course it's going to change like i know we're going to play them live much different than we recorded them and so i'm excited to see how how we do that yeah and i think that the record sounding the way it does like it's it's again i think it's the best uh recorded representation of our music and that's gonna push us to to woodshed it you know to really mm-hmm. work on on that stuff so we really uh, do those songs justice um I mean, that's, that's our end of it. And then, of course, we have to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the venues in which we play are conducive to uh, to those sounds as well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I hope that the opportunity will uh, present itself for you guys to to play this music over here in Europe at one point as well, Absolutely. because I'd love to see you guys live. Uh, and thank you so much for being on the, the Prog Talks with me, uh, guys, of course. You out there, you should listen to Inheritance, the new Muskokas album. Follow the band and the guys because they have other stuff, solo album, amazing stuff from Raphael, the Nightwatch that Nathaniel and Evan does. You know, you can find it all on social media. Links will be here in the description. And uh, if you haven't listened to Inheritance yet, you should because it's an amazing album. Listen to it on streaming services or even better buy a copy you know uh thank you so much guys for being on the prog talks with me yeah, yeah thank you so us. much hopefully we'll see you in not seven years <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> i hope so too uh thanks to all you guys listening and watching you know please like and subscribe if you enjoy this uh, content it helps us out a lot until next ti- time stay safe and keep spreading that prog love The Prog Talks, produced by the Prog Space. Main host, Rune Belsvik-Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik-Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munovitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.